everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges Mental Health. The three of us are back together again to use the anniversary of the Atlanta spa shootings from last year as a moment to not only reflect on what happened then with the loss of six Asian women, but also with the kind of lack of general safety and the losses that we've had, especially in our hometown of New York City. So we just wanted to use this opportunity to reflect on what the last couple of years have been like since anti-Asian sentiment and crimes have increased substantially, as well as talk about what it's felt like more in the personal experiences in our work with our clients and how we've had to try to cope and how those of us in the community might be able to cope as well. Yeah, I think, Christy, I think this is exactly what was on my mind as well. Um, Just having a moment to reflect on the past couple of years. And maybe we should begin with a moment of silence for the lives that have been lost in Atlanta and more recently here in New York City, as well as all the lives that have been lost since the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, okay. Thank you all for joining us again today. I think we all feel a little like at a loss of words, really, for what to say. <clears throat> yeah. We talked a little bit about what we might want to cover and things that we thought would be helpful to share with you all or to talk about. But I think as we sit here recording, I don't know, I feel a little bit of a loss of words, it, you know. It's not often we take the time to really, I think, sit with everything that's happened the last couple of years in the Asian community. And it's just really heavy. Like I am feeling it a lot right now. I think being a therapist, at least for me, you know, the role for, for us may be to create the safe space for others to process their feelings. And so we are usually in a different role for most of our days and to then have space for ourselves right now to think about this and how it personally affects us. That's definitely um, not something I do a lot for myself. Yeah, I do find that I um, struggle to find the language when I'm talking about my own feelings around anti-Asian sentiment and safety in public. because I am more used to creating space for other people. Um, But I have for sure been feeling some sense of wordless heaviness, um, especially over the last several weeks. We've also lost a couple of women um, in New York City that feel especially close to home and personally has affected like my sense or feeling of safety out in public. And it's led for me to um, retreat a little bit and notice a lot of the heaviness that I'm feeling in my body too. Yeah, Christy. And one thing that you shared with me a couple of weeks ago when we were just kind of chatting um, before work and I've 
struck me as feeling so true as you were saying that I wish I was like a centimeter inside of myself. Like I could go like mm-hmm. just a little bit deeper in. And I, when I heard you say that, I was like, oh my God, that is such a great way to explain. I think, yeah, just like the feeling of wanting to retreat a little bit that I think I've been feeling a lot over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I know you mentioned Christina Unalee and you know, that's like a real scary thing that happened so close to where we all live and, and reconciling with making space for our clients and then making space for the people in our own lives, kind of in addition to the fear that I personally feel in kind of a new way, you know, I've lived in New York for God, how long have I lived here now? Like five years. And, you know, I've lived in cities for like six years before that. And this is the first time that I felt, I think, as nervous for my physical safety that I can remember in kind of most of my adult life. Yeah, I feel similarly after several years of being in the city. I'm on, I think, my 11th year. And even being here as a teenager, it didn't feel quite as intense as it does now. Um, And I think a big part of that is that so many of the incidents reported or featured on the news have been out in public, sometimes in the daylight. Um, where there's usually some some people around or kind of this like sudden tragic thing that happened on the course of someone's daily life. And I think my being more aware of something could instantly shift um, that would normally be just another minute of my day has really led that fear to intensify. Um, in these cases, it feels more like they're doing also everything they can to be mindful and safe and still something does happen. And so that has been really difficult to sit with. Yeah, that, that sense of uncertainty that no matter whatever you do, sometimes it's not about that at all, right? And, you know, as I hear you talk about this sense of like fear about personal safety, it brings me back to how I did feel when I was in New York. And I, part of me feels really guilty because I do feel less of that. I actually feel really safe in Mexico. I haven't experienced mm-hmm. any sexual harassment, any racially, you know, any sort of like racial statements or anything like that. And it's like, I can feel the relaxed, like I can feel physically relaxed when I, when I walk, I notice the difference. Um, And so I feel a bit more disconnected from what's happened recently because I don't have to fear that here. Um, And so my contact with it is when I, you know, go on Instagram or I read what people wrote about her and all of these things. And then it comes back and it's something I feel in a way guilty about being able to turn off when I want to. So I have some feelings of guilt about that, but also of relief because I remember that feeling when I was in New York. And I think that was part of the reason when I left in January, you know, feeling that I didn't want to spend another winter in New York and 
just that it felt like a good time to take a break from New York as well because of everything else that's been happening. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, Diana, that it just highlights how complicated I think it all feels right now. Like you feel perhaps scared or nervous where you are. And yet when you're away, you feel disconnected from it in some ways. I mean, you know, with what happened in Atlanta, I, I really relate to that. I think my first reaction after hearing everything that happened last year was I just felt very disconnected from it. And almost, I don't know, maybe it was like I was dissociated a little bit. I'm not sure, but there is the sense of feeling this pain in a community and yet not really feeling it because you're not there and you're not with that community and what's happening. It's really tough. Yeah, I appreciate that kind of feeling disconnected because I remember feeling disconnected and most of my experience was through other people's reactions and hearing them, but also seeing people talk about internalized racism among Asian folks in the media as a reaction to what happened in Atlanta. And that's where it felt really acute and inescapable to me, where it felt like people were describing how I felt in elementary school and middle school, and it was being published on major news outlets, and it felt very exposing. Um, And I think that's what has gotten kicked up for a lot of people who, of course, like, hate crimes are nothing new. Anti-Asian sentiment is nothing new, but the increased like felt experience of it over the last couple years has, I think, kicked up a lot of internalized stuff for myself, my friends, and for clients that I see too. Yeah. And I think along with that is just, you know, understanding that we all have a certain capacity, right? And when we're overloaded, that's what happens, right? We we sort of find our ways of dealing with it, whether it's dissociating, disconnecting, it's just too much to handle all at once. So that's a separate issue from whatever internalized feelings you might have. Sometimes it's just too much at once to be able to, to even process, right? Yeah. So I tell my clients all the time that, you know, whatever feeling you're having in any given moment is, is normal, right. And that it's important to give yourself permission to be with all those feelings. Yeah. One thing that I've been sitting with a lot the last couple of weeks is I honestly, I feel so much anger on behalf of my clients, hearing them share their experiences with this and just the feelings that they're having right now, which are totally understandable. You know, a client of mine was sharing how she wears a mask and sunglasses and a baseball hat to cover as much of her face as possible. And, you know, I hear that and I totally understand where she's coming from. And yet I just feel so angry that that is the thing that she's feeling like she has to do right now in order to keep herself safe. You know, I hide as much of my identifying looks as possible. And then maybe I won't be harassed on the subway or maybe uh, no one will notice me and I can just kind of fly under the radar. Yeah, I have a client that was aligned with you in the sense that she was doing these things, but felt really angry and resentful that she had to do this at all, right? And valuing her personal safety, but feeling really angry that she had to take these extra steps. I think I've felt a lot of anger as well. Also thinking about how clients have talked about their concern, not only for themselves, but their loved ones or their parents. And there is just something 
so difficult about maybe my heaviness is is partly informed by like the the worry that we might have for the people who we love too and like the general not knowing how to cope with wishing safety for other people um and i've heard from some clients too that if they've noticed their guard has actually been let down once they're in the subway or they're in their normal walk around the neighborhood it's almost like having to remind themselves often that they should be more vigilant or should be more Mm -hmm. alert. And that's also just a general loss of safety, but also peace of mind that hits me. Yeah. Like the ability to just be carefree and feel like I can walk around the street and just not have to worry about things. I hearing you say that, I feel that too, that it's so tough, but you know, Christy, hearing you share this piece around the fear for community or the your loved ones who perhaps share these identities and, and what that brings up for you, you know, it does make me think about one of the things that I feel has felt really healing during all of this and felt really great is just seeing the amount of community support and willingness of, you know, the piece of community to really step up and support one another. I've seen so many great things online, like healing circles, programs where you can sign up to walk someone home if it's late at night or escort them to and from the subway like these things are meaningful and I think you know having access to them free self-defense classes I think that it really does show the ways in which the community wants to care for itself and take care of each other and help each other feel safe that's one thing that I feel has helped this feel easier for me at least and I think for a lot of my clients as well Yeah, that's been a huge piece of it of how our Bridges community has been connecting so often with sharing resources and people knowing like friends offering some beautiful healing resources and inaccessible ways for the community will include a bunch of resources that are still current that are at least for the New York City area. And I'm sure that there's a lot echoed in other cities across the US, like Sam mentioned. And so there is a lot of healing that does come from the resources of our, of our own community in response to this sense of collective trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's about the safety of that community, right? Like where we don't feel safe outside, perhaps um, we find safety in being among people who understand and who we can be with, you know, maybe silently or just taking action together or just feeling cared for. And all of that feels really needed right now. Mm -hmm. I think too, even just having people understand how tired we feel in all of this, or at least, I mean, speaking for myself and from other folks that I've heard of, you know, beyond like all the resources, which of course is incredibly helpful, but I think just being around other people or reaching out to people who also can kind of just understand how exhausting this last year has been is really, really meaningful too. And sort of giving ourselves and each other space to rest. I think I shared this anecdote on the podcast once before, but the three of us had signed up for something like a healing circle after the Atlanta shootings. And none of us really wanted to go because we were tired and it was like a beautiful day outside. And that even just like hearing from you two of, oh yeah, it's okay for us to just rest and do something joyful. Even though I'm sure that going the healing circle that we would have gone to was lovely and would have been wonderful as well. But, you know, I feel that talking to you guys 
about it and you could understand our tiredness and just all of us feeling like we wanted to engage in a little bit of joy um, and enjoy the nice weather during, you know, the couple of weeks that had been so tough around it. Yeah. I think it's really hard, right? When social media is nonstop, the news is nonstop. And it's so easy to just get caught up in that and get caught up in the frenetic energy of people wanting to help. It's all well-intentioned and also the anger that comes from these events, right? People want to express that and, and capture the attention and all of it is a lot to take in to really keep up with. None of us can really keep up with it, right? It's just not physically possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe this is a common, you know, self-care coping suggestion, but in my even my own experience over the last several weeks, giving myself far less expectations and far more space and time to do very little has been extremely important and I feel zero guilt and shame about it. It's actually been really nourishing. Um, yeah. <laughs> progress. Yeah, that's progress. <laughs> um, and so, of course, we still can find a lot of joy and rest and support from people who might not be feeling exactly what all of us, I'm sure everyone is reacting differently, but having just like a little bit of extra space in our relationships or with work and, and things like that is actually very valuable, even if it doesn't necessarily help us catch up, like you said, Diana. Yeah. And I also totally respect if people are seeing like the name of this episode and don't want to listen to it because it's too acute and too spot on. I think we're all just reflecting in whatever way we need to. I know some people are who are taking that day off and That also sounds like a nice way to honor this too. Yeah, I want to just acknowledge for people listening to this, you will get the nicely edited version, but that if you heard the real recording, I think you would hear the ways in which we, the three of us really struggled to talk about this. It's a really difficult thing to discuss. It's a really difficult thing to feel. And for anybody who is feeling similarly, is still struggling to talk about this or even seek out support because it feels hard. It's so normal. And I think, you know, we're all feeling a little bit of that in our own ways now. Yeah. And it may be some time before you feel ready to reflect on it because it's also very current. It continues to happen. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I have a little anecdote that I wanted to share on the podcast, just because I think it, it might feel helpful for some people, you know, I've had a number of folks in my life ask me, well, what should I do if I see someone being harassed or if I see something or I'm suspecting someone's feeling unsafe? And it actually happened to me maybe like three months ago now, I think is when it happened. Um, And I was standing outside of Penn Station. I was on my way home from work and someone was standing on the corner, um, like yelling racist harassment at me. Um, and it was the middle of the day. So of course it was uncomfortable and I felt kind of anxious, but didn't really feel like the person was actually like physically a threat to me, but the person who was directing traffic saw what was happening. And he actually walked over to me and asked me if I was okay. And if I was feeling uncomfortable, 
And when I told him I felt kind of uncomfortable about what was happening, he just stood with me and he actually crossed the street with me until I was able to get into the station. And I think I like get a little emotional right now when I'm speaking about it because that was so meaningful to me. And it didn't require this person to confront anybody. It didn't require this person to like end up in some sort of uncomfortable confrontation because I know that's what people are oftentimes afraid of will happen if they get involved. But it was so just sort of like him standing next to me. So if you see something like that, I think just asking the person that you're seeing this happen to if they're okay, maybe offering to stay with them for as long as you can, it, it can be so meaningful and it really helped me feel so much safer in that moment. And you know, there was no there was no big conflict. So I just I just wanted to share that with anybody who's listening who feels like they want to help and they don't know how. It, it can be pretty, pretty simple, I think. I'm so glad that person was there. For you. Yeah. And me too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just coming out of my somatic experiencing training, it's like, you know, in that moment of fear, your nervous system is like really un- unsure if it's safe. And, you know, this person just socially engaged you, connected with you, and made you feel safe again. Um, and it's so important after something scary happens to have that sort of like return to safety. Right. Yeah. And I love that sort of, maybe it seemed quiet on the outside, but that that attention and support going directly to you, because I think we can often focus on like the perpetrators or attackers. Of course, we've been giving space to the, the victims today, but there are a lot of these things happening on a daily basis that most of us are used to. Um, especially I imagine women are used to it, not only Asian women, this kind of like lack of safety, but I appreciate that in those quiet moments, there are also people offering support or checking in on you, for example, Sam afterwards. And yeah, it just like, sounds like community showing up in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you shared because those moments sometimes sort of, um, get ignored because the neg- the negativity is so much bigger, right? It's talked about a lot more. And I'm not trying to say that we just think positive, right? It's not that at all. It's more just noticing also that there are other people out there as well who are doing their best to be humane, to be supportive. And mm-hmm. that those moments are there too, if we look for them. That's a lovely note for us to wrap up this episode and for us to go enjoy the rest of our nights and take good care of ourselves. Yes. Let's all go eat something delicious. That's my plan. (laughs) Take good care. I have a watermelon candy. I've been saving for a moment that I needed. (laughs) I baked banana bread last night so that I would have it for tonight. (laughs) So we've all been very stressed about this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> banana bread breaking that's the real <laughs> sign right there. it's true it's like we're back at week two covid <laughs> oh my gosh yeah <laughs> well thank you both yeah, yeah thanks guys 